Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the narcissistic executive. Sean was battling his boss, and he was losing the war. The first person to talk to me about Sean was Ronit, the HR executive. She said, In a world that was fair, Sean would win, but he can't win against Jack. No one can. Jack stirred people up. Some saw him as a star blazing a bold path forward for the company. And, hey, if some people got burned, well, you know, stars blaze brightly for a reason, right? Others, the ones who had gotten burned, seethed at the mention of Jack's name. A lot of people were in that camp. Sean, a direct report of Jack's, was just one of them. Ronit said, We really don't want to lose Sean. If you ask me, he's the real star. But he has to get smart about handling Jack. If Sean keeps up the war, at some point he's going to lose, and then he'll leave. She told me Sean would have to report to Jack for at least another year, probably more, before a position opened up at his level. When the time comes, she said, I hope I'll be able to promote him. I asked, and make him Jack's peer? With a little laugh, she said, That'll be a battle to watch, won't it? At our first coaching session, it took only the slightest nudge to get Sean fuming about Jack. Jack was a credit-hogging grandstander, a self-obsessed, self-deluded, thin-skinned, bloody executioner. Sean's stories about Jack were similar to the ones I had heard from Ronit, but when Ronit told her stories, she was an observer. When Sean told his, he was a frontline survivor. To him, they were personal. He could not talk calmly about Jack. I mean, come on, he said. How hard is it to say thank you or to not name a meeting a status report when all you really want is an audience so you can pontificate about whatever bug is up your ass that day? I mean, really, is it that hard? I answered, well, for him, I guess it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Sean, is it worth losing your job? After a long consideration, he said, you know what? Maybe it is. Really? I said, surprised by his answer. Whoa, you must be really pissed at this guy. After another long consideration, he said, I guess I am, aren't I? And that pisses me off at myself. I shouldn't be fighting with my boss. I know better, but, oh, man, he pushes my buttons. I understand, I said. And I did. I had met Jack. He had been charming, but totally self-oriented. He knew best about every topic we discussed, including Sean's coaching. He was eager to tell me the approach he thought I should use with Sean. You see, he told me he had worked with a coach himself. Actually, I had heard that he had burned through three of them with no results. And he had learned so much during his coaching, he wanted to share what he knew to help me with my coaching. I humbly accepted his gifts. Back with Sean, I said, I think there are five important actions when you're dealing with someone like Jack. He's a narcissist, isn't he? I knew that word would come up. I said, Sean, that's a clinical term, and I'm not trained to make a diagnosis, but do you know the myth of Narcissus? Narcissus? Is that a place? No, it's a he. Narcissus is a person in a Greek myth. 
The myth says Narcissus was so beautiful that one day he saw his reflection in a river and couldn't look away. He fell in love with his own image. His beauty blinded him so completely he couldn't see reality. He leaned in to kiss the river mirror and drowned. He drowned in his own reflection. I mean, think about that. That is an intense image. Sean said, it's perfect. With him, it's all Jack all the time. I said, when I meet someone like Jack, I imagine he's wearing a visor in front of his eyes, like a virtual reality helmet. Projected on the visor is a version of the world that's slightly altered. Anything that might make him look bad in his own eyes gets filtered out. Yeah, like that guy's reflection in the river. He's blind to reality. That's Jack. So let's say there are complaints about him. Well, people just don't understand the situation. Or if other people score a big win, well, that couldn't have happened without his help. Anything that might distort his self-reflected aura gets erased. Like criticism, said Sean. Right, I agreed. They usually aren't able to recognize themselves in feedback. Sean's words tumbled out of his mouth. You should have heard Jack when we had our climate survey results. He was full of, I don't do that, and that's just wrong. He shook his head as if dispelling a headache. Okay. So what are these five rules to help me cope? Well, number one, don't take anything he does personally. He's got that filter on, right? So he can't even see you. You're barely a background player in the movie he's starring in. So whatever he does is about him, not you. Don't take it personally. Uh, it's easy for you to say. He's not in your face every day. Hey, he's not in your face either, Sean, I said with a smile. He's in his own face. Ha, ha, said Sean dryly. Okay, don't take it personally, as if I have a chance at that. I told him I could send him an executive coaching tip about don't take it personally. Sure, send it. I'll take any help I can get. What's number two? Mm, you really want to know? It ain't pretty. Go ahead, hit me. I can take it. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here, I quoted. Which means what? Sean, do you remember when you said, what's so hard about saying thank you? Well, you wouldn't even think that thought unless you still had hope. But hope keeps you locked in a struggle you are never going to win. You have to abandon hope. Hope of what? That he'll be a good guy? Yeah, maybe that, or or hope that you can get him to see the light, or hope that he'll change. Ah, oh, damn, you're right. I spend a lot of energy thinking about how to get him to change, but he's not going to, is he? No, no, he's not, Sean. And why would he, from where he sits? The view is gorgeous. Ah, oh, great, he said, deflated. So I'm going to suck at not taking it personally, number one, and I'm not so great with number two, giving up hope that he'll change. I can't wait for number three. Well, okay, here goes. Don't make his mistake. Don't fall in love with yourself. Uh, and that's supposed to mean? He is not going to change, so you have to. He rolled his eyes. I knew I was going to hate this one. Seriously, Sean, don't you fall in love with yourself. Don't dig into your position. Don't think you're better than he is. Don't get stuck thinking you're right. Get off your high horse. Adapting to his needs doesn't diminish you. I bet you do it with your direct report, so fine, why not do it with him? Well, because he never appreciates it. 
And you have to abandon any hope that he ever might. I wagged my finger at him. Get over yourself. Do what needs doing. He needs an audience? Be one. And be a good one. He needs to take all the credit? Give it to him. He needs adoration from loyal followers? Do it. Stop thinking you have to make a stand or prove your case or whatever button of yours gets pushed. He took a big breath and sighed. I'm sure that's good advice, but, oh, man, I hate hearing it. I don't want to cater to his crazy needs. And I know one reason why, I said. He looked up. Because it never really matters. When you adapt to your direct reports, you're helping them grow, and someday they might actually thank you. But with someone like Jack, can we just call him a narcissist? But with someone like Jack, you can never make a difference. You can't fill up his cup or heal his wound or take off his helmet or turn off his filter. It's like you're invisible, and feeling invisible is an insult to our being. Well, then why should I make the effort if it's not going to make any difference? Because if you keep being a problem, you're going to pay a price. People like Jack are good at retaliation and revenge. Yeah, so I've seen, he said. Are you saying I can't ever tell him about a work problem because I might get punished for it? No, but when you talk about the work, shape the issue so it fits inside his visor. Make him the hero of the story. He snorted. <laughs> Compromise myself to pacify him? Hey, Sean, don't fall in love with yourself. You can compromise. And speaking of don't fall in love with yourself, number four is the opposite. Opposite how, he asked. Be sure to love yourself. He gave me a grin. I'm certain you'll explain. Sean, being around someone like Jack can make you feel invisible, which is infuriating. So you need to be really intentional about finding other ways to get appreciated. Find ways to feel good about yourself outside of Jack's sphere of influence. And if you choose to do that with people at work, be careful. You need to be savvy. And don't go whispering in dark corners about Jack. I saw him absorb this new idea. Since my boss is never going to recognize me, I need to get recognized somewhere else. That actually makes a lot of sense. I never would have thought of that. I'm going to interrupt the story about Sean and Jack before I tell you the fifth and final action item. I want to tell you about two things. First, if this episode feels relevant to you, I want to give you an additional resource. Last fall, I recorded an interview with my friend Dave Stahoviak, who hosts the weekly podcast called Coaching for Leaders. The interview was an episode called How to Deal with a Boss Who's a Jerk. We talked about strategies for dealing with all kinds of difficult bosses, narcissistic bosses being just one. Dave and I really delved down deep into the subject. I encourage you to give it a listen. That's Coaching for Leaders, episode 164. Now, in addition, another interview that I did with Dave just went live, and frankly, I think it's great. You may remember that my executive coaching tip last month was called Coaching Your People. Well, that was the topic for my conversation with Dave. My interview with him is more than double the length of my podcast. If you are trying to be a better coach to your people, give it a listen. It has great ideas in it. It's Coaching for Leaders, episode 190. One final word about the Coaching for Leaders podcast. I've mentioned before that Dave 
is one of the senior leaders for the Dale Carnegie Organization here in Southern California. And I've said that I think it's easier to become a field operative with the CIA than to get that position. It's true. It takes years and years of dedication and hard work to get what Dave has gotten. And I tell you, if you listen to him week after week, you'll see what he's accomplished. Listen to how he listens. Listen to the questions he asks. Listen to how he gets people to talk. Dave models fantastic leadership behaviors. He's really a star. It's Dave Stahoviak, Coaching for Leaders. Give it a listen. You'll thank me. Okay, here's number two. This year, 2015, is the 10th anniversary of these executive coaching tips. As part of our anniversary year, we're going to do a makeover. So as the anniversary approaches, I'm reaching out to the Look and Sound of Leadership listening community for some feedback. I want to examine everything I'm doing with the podcast, from the design to the content. If you have thoughts or ideas, suggestions, any way that you think the podcast could be better, please tell me and tell me soon. I would love to hear from you. Please. Thank you so much. If you don't know how to get in touch with me, I'll tell you at the end of the podcast. Okay, that's it. So now, back to Sean and his struggles with his narcissistic boss, Jack. I had just finished telling Sean action item number four, find ways to be appreciated outside of Jack's influence. And next I said, finally, Sean, number five. I put my fist in front of my mouth as if I was holding a microphone and said, locate your nearest exit and be ready to evacuate in case of disaster. Sean said, what, are you saying I should leave? No, 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 Sean, no, not at all. The first four rules are all about staying. No, this is just being a prepared Boy Scout. Oh, it's that retaliation and revenge thing, right? That's right. You never know when you might fall out of favor and find your neck on the block. It's time to start making some lunch dates and get networking, huh? Indeed it is, I answered. So let me ask you, the listener, is someone in your workplace infuriating? Does he or she seem unable to take responsibility but is a master at excuses? Does he or she shift reality to suit the situation? Does he or she have cherished favorites and deadly enemies? Does this person make you think, ah, it's always about them? If there's someone like that in your workplace, beware. Now, can you accurately call that person a narcissist? Well, who knows? But the label that is critical for you to recognize is this one. Toxic. Use the five strategies I've talked about to stay safe and sane. Number one, don't take anything the person does personally. Number two, stop hoping the person will change. It's not possible. Get real. Move on. Number three, there is no moral high ground. Don't fight to be right. Instead, be flexible and be prepared to humble yourself. Number four, get fed outside of work. And number five, have an exit strategy. Now, by the way, I'm glad to be able to report that Sean's story had a happy ending. Several years after the coaching ended, I learned that Jack had taken an offer with another company. Many quiet celebrations followed. Sean was named his successor, which to me was an affirmation that he had achieved the look and sound of leadership. The goal of this episode has been to give you tools to protect yourself 
if you happen to have a narcissist in your midst. And it doesn't have to be your boss. It could be anyone, even a direct report. During the episode, I mentioned that I had sent Sean the executive coaching tip called Don't Take It Personally. That is one good resource. There are four other episodes that you might also listen to. The Disruptive Executive, Parts 1 and Part 2, Handling Defensive Behaviors, and The High Maintenance Executive. All those episodes, and all 10 years worth of The Look and Sound of Leadership, are available through iTunes and Stitcher, but they're also always available to you for free in a searchable archive on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's, dot com. Click Coaching Tips, and then use the search bar to find the episodes you want. Or you can sort by categories, like Managing Yourself. There are more than 70 episodes in that category to help you gain mastery over the thoughts and behaviors that can get you stuck on a plateau. When you're on the website, you can download any of the executive coaching tips as a PDF. You can save them for yourself, or like I did with Sean, you can forward them to others. Every month, more and more podcast listeners sign up to receive the email version of the coaching tips. If you want the email version, when you're on the website, just hit the subscribe button. It's on every page. To all of you who post reviews and who send me emails, I am truly grateful to be in touch with you. Thank you so much. I'm particularly looking forward to hearing your feedback about how to improve the look and sound of leadership. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.